Wakefield to Woodside, from Westerly to Washington Heights, and right here in the wonderful borough of Brooklyn. It's 5 p.m. in the five boroughs, and so it's time for Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jared Murphy from CityLimits.org. My partner on the air, Ben Max, is not with us this evening. He is moderating a debate in the Race for Public Advocate, that special election expected to come up sometime early next year, featuring a lot of uh, local luminaries, including Brooklyn's own Jumani Williams, who was on our show last week. Ben is the editor of Gotham Gazette, and he is moderating that debate as we speak this evening, so is not here with us. But we have a great show planned for you. We'll be speaking very shortly uh, with an important person, an increasingly important person in the post-election environment, Majority Leader, soon-to-be Senator Andrea Stewart-Cousins of Westchester. She'll be talking about what's sizing up to be her role and the agenda facing Senate Democrats in their new role of being in control of that body, really for the first time, officially in 10 years, but to have a large degree of control for the first time in any of our lifetimes. Uh, And then we'll be speaking to Assemblywoman Latrice Walker from Brooklyn about a very important issue that's going to be on the agenda for everyone in Albany, Governor Cuomo, uh, Senator Stuart Cousins and the Senate Democrats, uh, Speaker Heastie and the uh, Democrats in the Assembly, and that is criminal justice reform and particularly the issue of bail and people who are held on bail at Rikers Island and in other jails, a major issue that's been discussed for years. Reform has been slow to occur, but there's hope for that this year. She is the sponsor of one of the bail reform bills in the Assembly. We'll be talking with her about what that bill does and doesn't do, uh, concerns that she's heard about it, and the prospects for its passage. We're uh, one week away from the election of 2018, which we covered in depth. Uh, some of you heard our live election eve, election night show, and then our show the next day discussing the results. Uh, since then, a lot has happened. I think we have learned that the Democratic majority in the New York State Senate is going to be even larger than we expected. About, I think it's 40 Democratic senators now in that body of 63, uh, up from 31 before. Uh, we've also learned that the New York, uh, that the U.S. Senate is going to be more Democratic perhaps than we thought on election night with a Democrat winning for the first time in 42 years in Arizona. Obviously, this week has had uh, a lot of interesting news about President Trump accusing people in Florida of committing fraud in the Senate and gubernatorial races there, uh, throwing a, a White House reporter uh, out of the White House or barring him from coming to the White House, CNN's Jim Acosta. Today and this week, we've had the unusual spectacle of CNN and Fox siding together in a legal complaint against President Trump for that action of denying White House credentials to CNN's Jim Acosta. The White House responding today with a First Amendment argument of its own. The big news here in the city, obviously, and this is something we'll be talking about with our guests today and I'm sure in the future, is the big Amazon deal, the agreement to bring one half of that major company's HQ2 to Long Island City. Uh, Deal announced yesterday, the rare site of Mayor de Blasio and uh, Governor Cuomo chumming it up as they announced that they'd be bringing this uh, entity, which is supposed to generate 25,000 jobs, will also receive the largest uh, corporate uh, giveaway of subsidies in uh, history, and apparently will do all of that without the normal land use review 
process, uh, mirroring the uh, bypass the state did uh, not very far from here just a few years ago with the Atlantic Yards project and left a bad taste in just about everybody's mouth. Uh, There's still people pouring in with their uh, opinions on the Amazon deal. It is a a major, major deal. And today we heard from Assemblyman uh, David Weprin in Queens who backed the deal, mentioned its 25,000 jobs, its ability to transform the economy of his borough. The Working Families Party uh, had a different take. They said, among other things, that Amazon is the poster child for the corporate uh, corporate uh, wealth and power of our new gilded age. So they're kind of down on the deal. And Ruben Diaz Jr., the uh, borough president of the Bronx and a potential mayoral candidate uh, in 2021, said that given the level of subsidies the company uh, is receiving, Amazon must do more as part of this agreement to define benefits for future employees. Uh, Diaz was hoping to get Amazon to move to his borough. It didn't. Uh, he's uh, charting a middle path, but as many people do, raising questions about the process and uh, what will be delivered exactly for the city's 1.5 billion plus in subsidies, and people are still tallying up exactly what the implications of that are. But the plan for the show today is we're going to hear a pre-taped interview Ben and I did with Senator uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and then we'll come back and uh, welcome Latrice Walker and your phone calls. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM, listener-sponsored non-commercial radio. Max and Murphy, here's our conversation with Senator Stewart-Cousins. And we are now joined on the line by State Senate Democratic Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins. Thanks so much for joining us again on Max and Murphy. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So you are on the precipice here of a very powerful role in the state. Yeah, you've been the minority leader, but you are on the verge now, thanks to the election results that we saw, of becoming the majority leader when the new session kicks off in January. How does that feel? Why do you think Democrats uh, did so well in this election? Well, it feels very, very exciting. It's also very humbling. Uh, it is an honor, uh, you know, to be able to lead this extraordinary group of people in the state Senate. And certainly in terms of the Democratic majority, it's really, really, uh, you know, I, 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 we're going to start with 15 new senators and there will be 40 Democratic senators in the chamber. So the reality is, is that we did do really well. And I believe it all started after the 2016 election, where people recognized the impact that state legislatures could have as it relates to not only state policy, but federal policy. So there was a, a resurgence in the interests uh, in government. There was a mobilization, a grassroots mobilization that, frankly, I hadn't seen since I've been in elected office. And between the door knocking and the canvassing and people just realizing the nexus between government and their day-to-day lives generated such an amazing enthusiasm, uh, unexpected wins, uh, you know, during the congressional race uh, with Alessandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example, then just caused a whole nother regeneration of, of interest. And, and so Democrats are, as you said, definitely on the precipice of, of not only leading, but being able to move 
some of the issues that have not been able to move under Republican leadership for so many years. So people are excited. We did well because people were involved in their democracy. People got out to vote in record numbers, despite the fact that we still don't have early voting, despite the fact that we seem to want to be making it harder than it has to be here in New York. Uh, Those things will change. Uh, And despite all of it, New Yorkers turned out and they sent a solid, irrefutable Democratic majority to lead the Senate. Do you think the result reflects uh, the strength of anti-Trump sentiment in the state? Is this, do the Democrats in a strange way have Donald Trump to thank for the victory? Or do you think a a specific legislative program or set of policy uh, promises is what powered the Democrats to the 40-seat majority you've, you've discussed? Well, you know, listen, I've got to say that it just in terms of the particular circumstances, even in this state, it wasn't until the 2016 election that people actually really started paying attention to what their state legislatures were doing. And it was then that people recognized that we were, a, you know, essentially a quote unquote blue state. And yet we hadn't achieved that in the Senate. So I, you know, in some weird way, I think we do have to realize the election of, of, of President Trump uh, really caused a lot of people to, to pay more attention to government. And I always say, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I don't think anybody believed that Donald Trump would actually win. And the fact that he did <laughs> made a lot of people figure out. Now, also, there are the policy initiatives as well that we've been promoting, whether it's, uh, you know, the, you know, just fighting for or and being the essential votes for for stronger gun laws and and for marriage equality and and for paid family leave and you know just you know raising minimum wage. I mean, we have been really important in making sure that those good initiatives got you know to the table and in some cases like raising the minimum wage got back to the table because the first one you know wasn't really good enough. So I think that there is certainly different policy initiatives. But I think what was really critical was with this this tax bill that came out of the, the federal government. And so many people who are not going to be able to deduct beyond $10,000 in this you know, their, their state and local taxes. Uh, and having it, it actually, uh, it, you know, targeting states like New York, the blue states, uh, who, who obviously did not, you know, overwhelmingly vote for this president, targeting our taxpayers and then having a situation where our Republican counterparts really wouldn't stand up. They really didn't say, oh, what's happening here is wrong. And it became very, very clear that there are going to be things, and there always are, there's things that, that, you know, people are going to do that are going to impact, you know, the people that you are are representing negatively, and you have to be able to stand up and say that. And it seemed to me, for whatever the reason, uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, you know, are no longer able to say anything that will uh, possibly put them at odds with this president. New Yorkers need people who will stand up for them 
need people who will, you know, defend our interests and continue to move towards being a progressive beacon. And so I think people got that and they made a change that will help to achieve those things. What's interesting when you talk about that is that um, while while the federal tax reform did seem to be something that could work to your advantage, to Democrats' advantage, Republicans in the state Senate races were also running against you and potential members of your con- uh, conference or, or existing members of your conference trying to keep their seats on the premise that if you won a majority, you would raise taxes. So there was sort of an interesting argument um, both sides were using around taxes and tax reform. And you've come uh, out in the last uh, week or so, or even before the election, I, I guess, and said the Democratic conference in the Senate would have no intentions of, of raising taxes. Um, is, is that something that you can definitively say there will be there will be no increases in taxes or you're saying that's sort of I rem- not the I remember, not the you know, was it President George would read my lips, no new taxes. <laughs> and, you know, as I said, you, you, very what you had, you know, originally stated is, is true. I mean, they were using this, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to do this. And what I have unequivocally said that, you know, that is certainly, we're not coming in there to to raise people's taxes. We understand that um, New York is a big state, and we understand that we need to make sure that it is affordable. I am personally concerned, they said, about the impacts of this federal uh, tax bill on uh, the New York taxpayers, and I think, you know, most people in in our positions are. So I, I called it out for what it was. It was fear-mongering, and I also, in the same, you know, on the same... In the same way, uh, called out the fact that they're not even defending us against, you know, frankly, by standing up and, and saying nothing about this federal tax bill. They're, they're not even saying anything when the federal government is essentially raising your taxes, and they're, they're not saying anything. So I think people were able to see through that argument and realize that, you know, you have to be able to stand up. You have to be able to do the right thing when it's appropriate. And um, we are willing to do that. Senator, uh, you mentioned this is a historic victory, and obviously this is the first time in a decade or so that Democrats have had control of the state Senate. But really, that was just a brief period in, in, in 50 years or so of Republican control. So there's all this pent-up demand, if you will, a long list of policy wishes and wants, a lot of which were discussed on the campaign trail. What's the batting order? What's the agenda? What is your realistic outlook for the first hundred days? Uh, how are you going to approach the reality of governing with this new majority and a very long list of stuff people want to get done? Well, those, those are really good questions. And, you know, I have avoided that, you know, my first hundred days will look like this and this is the batting order uh, because, you know, I think the first and foremost thing we're going to do is be the type of, of, of conference and senators that people have, frankly, been voting for over and over again and not and not getting. And I have, as I said, 15 brand new members, and we have to make sure that everybody is completely up to speed. And I, I'm so impressed with every single one of them that 
uh, you know, I have no doubt that the leadership they will provide, uh, along with my current members, will be absolutely outstanding. That being said, there are certainly things that have been uh, left on the table for a very, very long time. And just recently we had the this voting here in New York. And, you know, New York is still one of a few states that don't have early voting. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm sure that that we will be able to do something about that uh, fairly early on. We've had the the things like the Child Victims Act that's been out there for for quite some time. You know, we've talked about reproductive health. I mean, there are so many many uh, issues. City, even guess what? We'll have a conference that actually is willing to acknowledge climate change and therefore work towards ensuring, you know, our, our, our planet's future. So, uh, you know, there is going to be an entirely different philosophical as well as legislative agenda that will, let's say it again, I can't say this, 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 and that. And as you said, there's many pent-up wishes, desires, demands, you name it, but education, health, you know, environment, uh, you know, uh, women's rights, human rights, civil rights. I mean, you know, the... Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be uh, a different agenda. Also, we have the housing issues, and and you know they've been fighting to try and ban conversion therapy. There are so many issues that uh, I I would be afraid to say this 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 and that. But you know, I hope that in addition to which will always be our concern. You know, making sure that we are building New York's economy, that we are creating uh, the jobs, and that we're we're creating a place that people can afford to live. Uh, and and you know, as we're being progressive, is certainly the core of what we will be doing. And you know, I've got to say that. This conference not only is is demographically diverse, but we are geographically diverse, and we are looking at the state, you know, again as a whole. And you know, we'll we'll try and do the best uh, for every single part of the state. So you you have an interesting challenge coming up, which is um, figuring out what your conference is going to agree on, as you indicated, with all these new members and having power for the yeah. first time in a long time. So you have that challenge, um, obviously a great opportunity and, and something you uh, are clearly looking forward to. But you have that challenge and then you have to go outside your chamber and get on the same page with the assembly majority and the governor to really get stuff done. Um, where So the, sort of the flip side of Jared's question is, where do you foresee some of the most difficult terrain? What are, what are some of the subjects where you know there's a lot of Democrats who agree generally, but you know, what are some of the sort of touchiest areas that seem like they'll take the most conversation and compromise? <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> I I almost want to say all of the above <laughs> because uh, you know we're Democrats, <laughs> but you know I, I think there's 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 always you know I mean look the two biggest drivers in the budget you know are education and healthcare, and so I think there's always going to be a lot of compromise a lot of conversation uh, around how best to achieve the goals and 
and you know be able to um, you know uh, uh, make it affordable like how do we how do we get the outcomes that we want I think again like you said everybody generally agrees on on the outcomes that we want but it's it's just how to get there so I I'm sure those are conversations and, and you know they said in order to do this right we have to be able to to hear these conversations, to engage uh, with with folks, and and to get as many of the you know good ideas on the tables and explore the possibilities, so that we can get to the same to 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 the goal. You know, one of the hardest parts about the divided Democratic Senate was, you know, especially when it was. Uh, you know, empowering in many ways Republicans to to talk about the legislative priorities and to reach it. I mean, if you're starting with, you know, people who don't want the same end that you want, rightly or wrongly, they just don't want it. So the conversation then is different. The conversation is, well, now I've got to convince you about why it's important to raise the minimum wage. You know, now I've got to convince you about whether or not we need to do something because um, there is climate change or, or whether or not we should have, you know, marriage equality. I mean, we've, we, whether women should have, you know, their reproductive. So, so the conversation is not going to start at that place, now we're starting a conversation where we understand that the objectives, you know, are to to make sure that people have access to to you know quality, affordable healthcare. We understand that it is important that all of our kids are attending schools that will help them to achieve their maximum potential. We understand that you know, you know, making sure we have clean air and water and and and, and shoring up our infrastructure is so. I mean, that's that's a good place to start. So that at least we're we we are all on the same page now. How we get to the objective is is where the conversations and the back and forth happens. But at least we're not starting at convincing people that these things are are important. I'm curious about some of the individual senators that will be up there with you in Albany and what their future might look like. There's been some discussion about whether some Republicans might uh, cross the line and and come over to to join you. I'm wondering if you could tell us whether you are uh, actively recruiting or talking to any about that. And and three uh, senators in particular in in your own conference, Senators Savino and Carlucci, formerly of the IDC, and Senator Simca Felder, who... Uh, obviously uh, ensured the Democratic, uh, sorry, Republican majority over the past couple of years. What will their role in the conference be? And will they have uh, roles commensurate with their seniority or will they have to uh, get in line? Okay, so the first question about Republicans, I have not spoken to any Republican who wants to cross over. So I have no comment about that because nobody has called me to say, you know, I want to come. As far as Senators Savino and Carlucci are concerned, they returned to the basic Democrats in April of last year. And the only thing that I asked all of the returning IDC people to do was to, you know, become part of one team and to be team players to work collegially uh, with the members of our conference, you know, under my leadership. 
and at the end of their uh, two months of being in, you know, when we left in June, <clears throat> they had done that, and uh, you know, that's all they were asked to do. And since that point, you know, they have been part of our conference, so they will be treated like every other member of the conference. Uh, Senator Felder, as you know, has not been a member of the conference, and, uh, you know, he, he has reached out. He says he wants to meet. I'd be, you know, happy to, to sit with Senator Felder uh, to see what he's thinking. But I said he, he has indeed reached out. So, you know, but again, I haven't had the conversation. But, you know, I think in a general rule, you know, I'm all about, and the conference is all about public service. We're about being able to represent our districts and represent the people of New York State in a way that is, you know, smart, as a way of being, uh, you know, inclusive, and a way of making sure that the interests of the public that we serve will not be compromised. So you're... that's what this is about for for me and for the conference. And, you know, if anybody's going to be on the team, that's where the direction has to be. So you're listening to Max and Murphy on WBAI Radio. We've got just a couple more minutes with uh, soon-to-be Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins. Uh, thanks, thanks again for the time here, and we're looking forward to seeing how a lot of this plays out uh, over the coming months, but really, of course, when you get down to business in January. And speaking of, of that, um, you are going to be um, the the first woman in the room, so to speak. You know, you're, there's always this this three men in a room or four men in a room. It's always about the number of men that's, that are going to be in the room deciding the things. Room, right? Yes. Uh, but now that's going to change. You're going to be the first woman to lead a legislative conference in Albany um, and also the first woman of color to do so. What does that mean? Uh, practically speaking, I mean, obviously, whatever reflections you have on it are welcome, right. but practically speaking, what do you think that that is going to translate into? I think it means that people see that once again, uh, another you know, glass ceiling, you know, marble ceiling, whatever you want to call it, has been broken. You know, we make certain assumptions about how far we've come, and we have in many ways. But I think every day we're also being reminded that there is more ground that has to be covered, more ceilings to break. There are more opportunities to show our children grandchildren that, you know, this American dream really, you know, does mean something and and is attainable and is certainly worth fighting for. And so I think, you know, symbolically, it, it just sends a message that, you know, there's, you know, there, 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 this is, this, there are great opportunities and, if you are vigilant and if you are, you know, willing to fight for for your place and bring the best you have, you know, you'll be surprised at where you can go and what what you can do. So I'm I'm th- I'm excited for for again the opportunity. I'm humbled by it, and um, you know, I think from 
now on it'll be, you know, I mean, if it's going to, you know, continue to be a room, it'll be the people in the room. <laughs> right, know, but that was, that was actually... You know, this specific gender and... <laughs> right, that, that was actually a quick you know, follow-up I was going to ask you is, do you have any, other than your significant new presence in those negotiations among the, the top decision makers, do you have any other designs on changing that, that sort of backroom process? Um, is there anything else you want to see reformed about the way decisions are made in Albany? You know, I, it'd be impossible to say because I've never been in it. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't really... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm interested to see uh, how this thing really works as well. <laughs> so so I w- I'm sure I'll have a lot of opinions once I've actually been part of it, but... You know, on a general rule, you know, I I think that it is it is important that people, you know, are are you know given uh, information that that we are um, you know that we can can be transparent. Obviously, you know, I I, I enjoy that, but you know, I. You know, it's not our room. You know, I get invited in the room, and I said, "See what I'll see what happens in the room." But Senator, we just had just a couple <laughs> not my room. Just a couple minutes left, so I want to ask you about obviously a big story of the past couple of days in New York City: the uh, deal to bring Amazon's HQ2 to Long Island City, the subsidy package, the uh, bypassing of the Euler process. That's part of that. What's your reaction to that deal uh, as it's been explained? Well, you know, my reaction is um, I think it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's, I mean, look, we we all support, I am totally supportive of creating new jobs. Like I said, I know how important it is to, to build the economy and the, the jobs, but, you know, as things continue to unfold, you know, it is really hard to ignore uh, the concerns that are being raised regarding, obviously, the use of, of taxpayer money and, and again, the, the sort of lack of uh, transparency and, and the impact that, you know, it will have on the local communities. So uh, it's, you know, certainly... Um, I mean, it's certainly raised to to this level because you know it's it's a huge, huge. Um, it looks like on the one hand a huge opportunity, but uh, there are also a lot of major questions and concerns that I, I think um, you know deserve to to be addressed. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, State Senate Democratic Leader Andrew Stewart-Cousins set to be the majority leader of the Senate once things kick off again in January. Thanks again for joining us on Max and Murphy, and we'll hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, and continued success with your, your broadcast. Thank you.